0: Scripture Study Project, a fresh and faithful study of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you're learning to others. I'm Krista, and I am here with my husband, Zach, and we are studying tonight in Alma 36 through 37, which many of you will remember and might come to mind, the small and simple, which is what we are aiming for tonight. Maybe even a small and simple podcast.
1: Yeah, like that's going to happen.
0: We have a really hard time. We talk too much. We
1: talk too much. We linger at parties. We stay up late. <laughs> we don't do. We don't do small and simple.
0: <laughs> we try, but um, we're excited to be studying. Well, man, we say that every time too, but we really are. Alma thirty six and thirty seven. Great chapters. We're excited to get into them.
1: Our study tip for this episode is. Uh, Do small and simple things with your scripture study. Um, If you are into kind of the the popular, semi-popular wave of um, business literature, even self-help literature, there's this theory, I think it was actually initially proposed by Clayton Christensen, the everyday missionary, Power of Everyday Missionaries guy. I
0: think so. I think you're right about
1: that. I think his breakout book, I don't remember the exact title, but the idea was disruption. And his whole point was... Um, companies that make these big leaps forward often come because there's some kind of disruption to the way that they've done things previously. So a company will be humming along normally and then something major happens and that causes them to innovate and that innovation is what skyrockets their success. And so his advice is that wise companies, wise leaders disrupt themselves And I think that same thing can kind of apply to scripture study. We get into patterns and routines and sometimes ruts with our scripture study. And it ends up being the same thing day after day after day. And even though you may be using some of the study tips that we've mentioned here, or your own study tips, and maybe they're great and they're phenomenal, sometimes it just gets kind of, I don't know, repetitive or sometimes dry. And so the idea of disruptive scripture study is to do something different for your scripture study that just throws you out of balance a little bit, that throws you out of your routine. So for example, maybe you don't usually read with a marking pencil in your hand, and today you're going to read with a pencil in your hand hovering right above the scriptures where you're reading, and it'll cause you to mark some things. Maybe you don't do that normally. Or maybe you you read through the verses and then you think about them, and today you're going to read each verse and stop after each verse and then think about it. Or uh, maybe you don't read out loud, and today you're going to read the verses out loud and uh, and see if that does something different for you. Just some kind of new disruptive idea that makes you think in a new way or act in a new way or get a new insight.
0: I think you could also look at this one as maybe you have these expectations that you've set up for yourself or even cultural expectations of what scripture study is quote unquote supposed to look like, mm-hmm. but maybe disrupt and innovate some of those things and just think what am I going to do today and it doesn't have to be this look the same every day
1: and it doesn't have to look like other people's scriptures yeah
0: exactly I I think a lot of times I, I'm not one that can I have a couple I think I've said this in the past but I have a couple different methods going on because I get too there's too many things I want to do so you just take them one small step at a time and make them simple but don't feel like oh no, I can't read that because I'm reading through, I'm already, I am already dedicated myself to read through the Doctrine and Covenants, or whatever it is. I think it's okay to explore and innovate and disrupt yourself.
1: I remember I had a, a colleague a couple of years ago, So this is a, a seminary principal, that told me for his personal study, he had taken a break from studying the scriptures and was studying General Conference. And that was such a kind of... Uh, <laughs> innovative and almost blasphemous idea. I thought you can, you can do that. I thought you had to read the scriptures every single day. And his point was, he said, I I study them, of course, in preparation for lessons, and I'm not discounting their value. And I'm not thinking that I know them well enough, but I need to do something different. And he says, whenever I'm studying the scriptures, I can't help but think of lessons. Whenever I study general conference, though, I think about me and my family and my life. And so that was his current study. And I think That's a great disruption. And maybe it's not not something you do for years at a time, but maybe it's something you do today or tomorrow. You throw a general conference talk in there.
0: And maybe that disruption for you is just adding even a small bit of scripture study each day, however that looks for you.
1: Okay. Alma chapter 36 is probably one of those all-time favorites for a lot of people. This is the famous chapter where Alma is speaking to his son. He's going to write three letters to three of his sons in the upcoming chapters. Uh, This one in chapters 36 and 37 is to his son Helaman, who will take over as the the high priest of the the church, the prophet of the church, um, and will take uh, that ecclesiastical leadership responsibility. And Alma writes to him and in 36, tells his own personal conversion story. And if if you took seminary, you probably remember your teacher introducing you to the idea in these chapters of chiasmus, which is the, the, the Hebrew writing form where they, uh, they will say something in verse one, repeat it in verse 30. Then they'll say something in verse two and repeat it in verse 29. And they'll say all of those things until they pinnacle at the most important part in the middle. And so as you read 36, you can look for that chiasmus. Verse 1 is actually repeated in verse 30, and verse 2 is repeated, I think, in verse 30 as well. But verse 3 is in verse 29, and roughly it uh, it builds up like that. It's a chapter that we love. Alma talks about his repentance and what the Lord has done for him, and it's beautiful. In fact, it's so good that we're not really going to touch it all that much in this episode. We might draw a couple of things from it. But um, first of all, having someone else describe to you or explain to you Alma 36 is kind of like having someone explain to you gelato ice cream. There's no way that an explanation can do it better. And you'd probably just be well served by someone buying you a cup of gelato and saying, just eat this and you'll know what we're talking about. Alma 36 I think is kind of that way. We could walk through each of the verses and they're awesome and they're phenomenal, but you would probably be better served by just using some study tips, maybe using your disruptive study tip for today and diving into Alma 36 on your own without too much interference from us. But the second thing about Alma 36 is, and this may sound kind of blasphemous, this I don't think was Alma's main message to his son Helaman. And here's the proof. If you go to the beginning of Alma 36, I love this phrase and I had never noticed it until a recent read-through. Verse one, I love verses where you can sense emotion and this verse has emotion. So this is Alma 36, verse one. My son, give ear to my words, for I swear unto you that inasmuch as as you shall keep the commandments of God, you shall prosper in the land. Now he does repeat that verse in verse 30. He'll mention again prospering the land. But that phrase, I swear to you, that's Alma's point. I want you to know, I swear to you with everything I have, I promise you that if you keep the commandments of God, he will prosper you in the land. Which is why in chapter 37, he's going to list some specific commandments he wants Helaman to obey. He continues in verse 2, I would that you should do as I have done in remembering the captivity of our fathers, that they were in bondage, and none could deliver them except it was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he surely did deliver them in their afflictions. So verse 1, I swear to you that God will prosper you. Verse 2, I swear to you that God will deliver you. Verse 3, And now, O my son Helaman, behold, thou art in thy youth. And therefore I beseech of thee that thou wilt hear my words and learn of me. For I do know that whosoever shall put their trust in God shall be supported in their trials and in their troubles. So I swear to you that God will support you and they shall be lifted up at the last day. I think Alma's message to his son Helaman is right there at the beginning. Son, I swear to you God will prosper you he will deliver you, he will support you, and he will lift you up. And then in verse 5, he says, I haven't learned this of myself. If I wasn't born of God, I wouldn't know these truths. And then he explains being born of God, which is wonderful. And I think it's very powerful for human. But this part, this middle part that we love so much is meant to give Alma's earlier statements credibility. I want to tell you this story about what's happened to me so that you'll believe me when I tell you that God delivers you, supports you, prospers you, and lifts you.
0: And let's not leave out verse four there in these verses. um, He tells his son how he learned this. And it says, And I would not that ye think that I know of myself, not of the temporal, but of the spiritual. Not of the carnal, carnal mind, but of God. and I think I mentioned this in last in our last episode, but that the thing that came to my mind, and I probably got this from somewhere, but what I like to call it is heart knowledge. Um, and that comes from a scripture in Matthew um, where it talks about eyes to see, ears to hear, and that they should understand with their hearts. And I think this is just supported in that that, this is a different kind of learning and that his son needs to think of a different kind of learning. And we can apply that to us very easily that as we think about faith, let's think not temporal, but spiritual, not carnal, but this is of God. This is a different way of learning. And he sets up his son to know that that's what he needs to be listening with his, with his heart. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be doing the same thing.
1: So what we want to do with this episode is actually borrow from 37, the next chapter And these are the very well known verses. Verse 6, where Alma speaking to Helaman about keeping the plates clean. That's the little thing that he mentions. In verse 6, Son, you may suppose that this is foolishness in me, but behold, I say unto you that by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. And then verse 7, The Lord God doth work by means, by small means, to bring about his great and eternal purposes. And so what we want to do is, this is a father speaking to a son, and he's giving him a list of small and simple things he wants his son to do that will bring great things to pass for him. And if you listen with your own heart, maybe this episode gives you a couple of small and simple things that you could do that will allow God to make great things come to pass in your life.
0: Maybe we'll start with, Just the following verses after he talks about these small and simple things. And he says in verse 8, "It has hitherto been wisdom in God that these things should be preserved. He's talking about the records. He says, For behold, they have enlarged the memory of this people, yea, and convinced many of the error of their ways, and brought them to the knowledge of their God, unto the salvation of their souls. Were it not for these records which are on these plates and he goes on to talk about all the things that they have done for these people. He brought them unto, They brought them unto repentance and gave them a knowledge of the Lord their God and helped them to rejoice in Jesus Christ their Redeemer. Now you think of the scriptures. I like to think of scriptures as what they are. They're a conglomeration of, of prophets of these people having experiences with God writing down their simple story and here they are telling that each of these people played a small and simple part, but together they bring up this this great thing that mm-hmm. helps. I love the word enlarged their memories. because yeah, that's cool. I think that's just one of those words that you think, hey, I, I do, I well, we talked about that in the Alma 32, that enlarged your spirit. Mm-hmm. That's what they do for our memories, These this preservation of the records. And I think
1: it's hard because... Scripture study is one of those things, because it's small and simple, it's often the small and simple things that fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Even in my own life, I know that uh, if anything from my morning routine goes, sometimes it's the scripture study. Because it's so small and simple, my thought is, I can get to it later. I'm sure I'll be able to have time later on, which, Mm -hmm. of course, if anyone that has any kind of life never has time later on to get to something that they set aside. And so I think it's a great small and simple thing to find small and simple moments and small and simple ways to get into small and simple scriptures that will make a big difference in a life.
0: Yeah. And I think don't get deterred too. If if you do miss your perfect morning scripture study that you're hoping to get in, um, fit that in later in the day mm-hmm. in a different form. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, whether it's a conference talk or it's something. And Anyway, there's lots of ways to to make it a small and simple part of your day that's going to bring to pass great things.
1: I like in verse 9 that you began to read the story that he gives as evidence that God does great things when we do simple things is the story of Ammon and the Lamanites, right? Mm -hmm. Thousands of Lamanites are brought to the truth because, and if you go back and read, Ammon and Aaron, those two recorded stories, when the respective Lamanite kings ask them questions, they turn to the scriptures they turn to the story of the creation in the scriptures and so if it wasn't for these recorded scriptures that give us these simple truths, thousands of Lamanites um, would be without a knowledge of the truth would be without that conversion would be without the salvation that came to them and that affects the rest of the book of Mormon and as I was thinking of that, I thought boy, I wonder in you know, 50, 100 years, if someone will look at our family and say, by, because of small and simple things that we did with the scriptures and our kids, great things came to pass. And what great things would our kids miss out on if we didn't do scripture study? And our, our scripture study in our family looks really small and simple. Uh, every night we try and read a couple of verses. Um, our kids' attention spans are very short. So we try and read a couple of verses and discuss it. We'll usually ask them a question and get their thoughts and their feelings. And it's a little five minute scripture study. Uh, some nights when we're exasperated, it's a 30 second scripture study. Um, but that little small and simple effort, I, I wonder what will be the if, impact of that in your study. I think
0: we've been told, I, I'm thinking of a talk specifically by Elder Bednar and other prophets that have said um, that those small things make a difference. Make a
1: difference. And yeah. I
0: believe that. The second point that I really liked is this reoccurring theme in these chapters of obedience. In chapter 36, verse 30, Alma says, But behold, my son, this is not all, for you ought to know, as I do know, that inasmuch as ye shall keep the commandments of God, ye shall prosper in the land. And you ought to know also that inasmuch as ye will not keep the commandments of God, ye shall be cut off from his presence. That's it. That's well,
1: simple. We, <laughs> it's simple. It's
0: small and simple. The commandments are pretty simple, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and I guess I the one thing that in this study just came to me is maybe I'll ask a question to you. I wish you were sitting here with us so we could have a discussion on this, but um that prosper of maybe just to think about um when you keep the commandments how have you felt that prosper Mm -hmm. that prospering
1: yeah um i think which which small commandments have you noticed bring prosperity yeah i like asking people what their favorite commandments are to keep because sometimes it's those i don't know hearing people's stories of keeping small commandments that make a big difference motivate other people
0: and of course you don't want to get this could get a little i don't know funny. If you start to think like tit for tat, like, mm-hmm. well, if I keep this commandment, then this happens. And I don't, I don't think obviously that's no, not what he is saying, but I think it's, it's an important thing for us to review in when I'm doing these things that God ask, God is asking of me. Um, how have I felt yeah. prospered? I, I guess that's the question you answered. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, the two that I liked, so the first one, and this is kind of an obscure one, it's 37, verse 23. And he's talking about the Jaredite plates, the 24 plates that will be translated into the book of Ether. And he mentions in verse 23, the Lord said, I will prepare unto my servant Gazalem a stone. Which shall shine forth in darkness unto light, that I may discover unto my people who serve me, and that I may discover unto them their works of their brethren, hey, their secret works, their works of darkness, their wickedness, and their abominations. And now, my son, these interpreters were prepared for, that the word of the Lord might be fulfilled which he spake. So I have prepared this stone, or these stones even, that will serve as interpreters. Now that seems like a really small and simple thing to mention but i had a friend of mine recently that pointed this out to me and i have thought a lot about it since i've been reading uh, a biography of joseph smith and i'm impressed with how true god is to his word that he can use small and simple things or small and simple people to do great things sometimes i wonder is the reason why God directed prophets to use a stone to translate. Joseph Smith did it. Prophets in the Book of Mormon did it. Prophets in the Old Testament did it. Was his point in doing that a greater object lesson in showing them, look, I can take something as common and simple as a rock and turn it into this great translator, this thing that gives light into darkness. I can take a stone and make it gazalem, a translator. Joseph Smith described himself as a rough stone rolling. He recognized that he was rough. And you've been reading a couple of biographies of Joseph Smith as well and can attest to that. He was a rough stone, right? He was very unpolished and and, uh, kind of Rough around the edges, to say the least.
0: Yeah, I read a couple, and then just started rough stone. We're both reading it, and I remember being really, when they give a couple, the author of that book gives a couple at the very beginning, gives a couple quotes of him saying that, and another mm-hmm. quote by Brigham Young. And this I just, is
1: Richard Bushman's Rough Stone Rolling. In case you're interested.
0: And I just remember being really overpowered with this, like feeling of like, wow. Like he knew that he was imperfect. Mm -hmm. We can look back on him now in history, and you know whatever we want to Mm -hmm. say about him, but he was a person and just a a rough rough person. A stone. We all are, right? And I think that's the point, right? Simple things that you can be
1: the small and simple thing. I think that's the point. Is. I can take a stone and make it a translator. I can take a person and make him a prophet. I can take a farm boy and make him a prophet. I can take someone that feels very inadequate about herself and make her an incredible mother or a Willie society president or a beehive advisor that changes the lives of girls. I can take a boy that feels inadequate and make him an incredible teacher's quorum president or I can take a a man and make him a father. I I can take ordinary people that don't feel they amount to very much and make them into great things. So there are a lot of small and simple things that you can do that make a difference, but sometimes you're the small and simple thing that God uses to make the difference.
0: And I like that analogy of light too. I think light is always, light and darkness is used a lot in the scriptures, and I like thinking of it as, you know, even if you give one step towards the light, that you're showing God that you're, ready to do something small for him and that he, he, will, he will speak to you and he will use your talents and abilities to do great things.
1: Now there's so much else in here. And as with every episode, our hope is that you take what we start with and continue on with it. If you want a really fun study, look through Alma chapters 36 and 37 and look for small and simple things that you can do, or that you can know, that you can act on, that would make a big difference for you, a small thing that God would bless you for doing. The final one that I want to end with, though, is actually in Alma chapter 36, and it is the small and simple thing that Alma does to bring about this great change. So if you're familiar with Alma 36, we mentioned at the beginning this great chiasm, Where leading up to verse 18, Alma's description is almost all on the pains and the guilt that he felt. He went around with the sons of Mosiah seeking to destroy the church of God and to lead people away from Christ. And when it was made, uh, when he became aware, when the angel stopped him and told him to stop, um, Alma fell into this coma and for these three days... He's racked with eternal torment. His guilt is almost overwhelming. He says, I wish I could crawl under a rock. I, would, I don't want to see the face of God. And then after this middle, small and simple thing that Alma does, he sees God and he's filled with joy and he's filled with light. Verse 21, I say unto you, my son, there could be nothing so exquisite and so bitter as was my pain. Yea, I say unto you, my son, that there on the other hand, there is nothing so exquisite and sweet as was my joy. And what I've always been fascinated with is, look at all of the great, incredible, amazing things that God did for Alma, and Alma did one thing, that I've been able to find, he did one thing. There is one action in this entire incredible verse, and it's small, and it's simple. In verse 18... As my mind caught hold upon this thought, meaning the thought that he remembered his father having taught about Jesus Christ being able to atone for the sins of the world. He says, as my mind caught hold upon this thought, I cried, there's the verb, within my heart, O Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. And then verse 19, behold, when I thought this, I could remember my pains no more. That's how small and simple his action was. In the middle of all of his misery, he simply cries out. In fact, that verse 19, I think he simply just thinks the thought, O Jesus, thou Son of God, have mercy on me. And immediately he feels this joy and this repentance. Now, of course, this is not a simple or a casual, Jesus, save me. He's in the midst of despair and his heart is torn to pieces. And so this is a very sincere crying out. It's a very sincere thought. And he will go about after this for the rest of his life, seeking to repair everything that he did, confessing his mistakes. All of those traditional steps of repentance do come in. But I love that the only thing that he does here in this chapter is he just cries out, And because God is so loving and so eager to forgive, it's almost immediate. Once I cried out, I was filled with light and I could remember my pains no more.
0: We hope that as you study this and as you've listened, that you will be able to remember ways in which, in those small ways in which you can be lifted up and be supported by Jesus Christ. And remember all that he has done for us as you read through this beautiful testimony that Alma has written here. So thank you for studying with us today. We hope that you will connect with us in some way. We have loved the messages that some of you have sent, um, telling about some of your experiences with your scripture study. Maybe if you have some ideas for study tips, we would love to have your ideas and send those in to us. You can reach us um, through direct message on our Instagram page at the scripture study project, or send us an email at scripture at gmail.com. That's it. Thank you.